Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome into another episode of Loon Talk. I'm AJ Fredericton filling in for Jonathan Harrison this week. Joined as always by Voice of the Loons, Mr. Dan Terhar. And we are back for the Score North Loon-centric podcast. Dan, how are you uh, on this? What is it? This fabulous Tuesday. Tuesday. That's all right. Hey, you know what? It feels like spring is finally here. So uh, knock on wood, but <laughs> doing great. Um, still looking forward to a win for the uh, for the loons. Hopefully, hopefully that's coming up this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a little excited for this episode of Loon Talk solely because t- typically I'm in the studio for uh, for the games. That was not the case this past Sunday. I was actually mm-hmm. out at Allianz Field. So I usually feel like I come into these with kind of the same maybe mindsets that you and Jonathan would typically have because I listen sure. to you guys for the full two hours of uh, of the broadcast, but I kind of not have formed my own opinions. But I, you know, I, I've been sheltered from whatever you guys have to say. Uh, we'll get right into it though. This past Sunday night, it was Minnesota United hosting FC Dallas at Allianz Field in the Midway zero zero draw. So the Loons continue to struggle to find that first home win of the season. Um, that's the first thing I want to ask you here, Dan, at a certain point, and we'll recap the match here coming up, but at a certain point for supporters, for the players in the locker room, when does that maybe creep in of like more frustration rather than, you know, it's right on the horizon. We're going to get that win at home. Yeah. Well, the frustration is there. But here's the difference, I think, is that uh, looking at Sunday, they played very well. Um, If they were playing poorly and just not showing up at home, that gets frustrating a lot faster. Um, But being the fact that uh, and talking after the match with assistant coach Sean McCauley, I heard some comments afterwards from Robin Ludd. they don't sound frustrated. They sound disappointed that they didn't get the win, obviously, but because they created so many chances. Um, I think that that helps hold off the frustration for a little bit. Um, I, I mean, it's there under the surface cause you want to win at home. Uh, you know, I don't, we don't want to go to June without, you know, singing Wonderwall once that's not good. So I think that, yeah, there's a level of frustration, but it hasn't reached the point where it's going to start affecting their play yet. I don't think. Um, and it was, well, you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, your perspective, not, not from the match itself, but from, it was windy, it was cold. Uh, you were in the wonder wall for fans that haven't experienced that, especially watching a game from the wonder wall. Uh, what was your, uh, what were you left with from your experience at the stadium? I brought, um, I, I went with a buddy who hadn't attended a game at Allianz field yet. And his first thing after getting back to the car was, that was about as eventful as a zero zero draw could be <laughs> there, there, yeah. there, like there was a surprising uh, amount of action. I felt like for, for a no score contest, um, the, the wind I think was definitely a factor for, for it. He was surprised as well as I was um, by how well filled out the stands were with the weather conditions. Cause you think last day of April, you know, we're probably into, Maybe not the warmest of weathers, but it's not getting down close to kind of freezing temps after wind chill. It's, you know, everybody had mittens and stocking caps on. And luckily, 
it, that I, one of maybe the nice things were is they have that new mural at the, at the Allianz Field. And so they were actually handing out like free promotional scarves on the way mm-hmm. in. So that helped yeah. everybody kind of bundle up and stay warm. But um, the energy, I think, was pretty solid. Um, you know, the, the Wonderwall section was um, a lot of chanting, jumping, kind of doing that thing. So that actually maybe helped stay warm. But for the amount of like other fans in the in, in the stands, it it seemed like it was still really well packed and the energy level was there and everybody was kind of like on that breath of, all right, here it comes, here it comes. Ah, no. Okay. We just, (laughs) we missed the net. Um, So I, I don't think there's necessarily that feeling of pessimism and, you know, you know, at this rate, they're never going to win at home and, you know, when is it going to happen? It was more of just like, it's coming. It's just, it, it's not like they had a bad showing and I, right. I, and we'll, and we'll talk about this. Maybe we'll recap uh, what action there was first off here um, leading into the, uh, in the first half, we had two yellow cards handed out. Sang Bing Jong gets uh, booked in the 31st minute for a foul that I thought was rather questionable. And then uh, Jose Martinez gets booked in stoppage time of the first half. Uh, There was two minutes there coming out of the half. You see at the 64th minute, Franco Fragapane comes in for Hassani Dotson. Later on, about five minutes later, Mendy Garcia comes in for Sangbin Jong, who quick tangent here. And it, as as we as we progress, there well, there's not a whole a lot. Take, else, no, but, don't rush through a tangent. Take your time. No, Take yeah, your time. <laughs> I would like to hear your thoughts on his approach to corner kicks because it felt like, and I I feel like he's too skilled and just too good of a player to be not giving guys a, a chance in the box it instead of you know those kind of lofted crosses in where it's more of like a duel in the air for the ball it's a line drive right at somebody's chest or mm-hmm. we're we're playing a safe ball to just outside the box and then we're going to see what maybe dj taylor can cross in from a different angle or something like that i it feels like to me and i want to preface this with saying i am no uh soccer football strategic expert but that feels like a wasted opportunity when you get to that position. I feel like you want to at least try to send it in, try to, you know, rely on the lunk of, of, of that Plinko pin, uh, pinball mm-hmm. somewhere. And they're falling to the feet of a Luis Samaria or a, or a Bang Hukle Longwane to just tap in right in front of the goal. Um, and you don't even get that opportunity <clears> when you play it short or you, you send one waist high right at the outside of the box. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely on corner kicks. I, I want to put that ball right into the dirtiest, messiest mm-hmm. scrum and hope you get a, a, a fortunate bounce or someone gets a head on it and puts it away. Um, I think, and I'll go back to what we were talking about, the experience at the stadium. I think um, the wind affected things, maybe not as much on the pitch as it did his preparation. Did you notice that Dane St. Clair rarely put the ball up into play? He yes. rolled almost everything off. And I'm yeah. sure that was in the game plan because of the wind. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to control it if you get it up there and hang it up high. Let's and, and way less than Dane St. Clair usually just rolls the ball off on a short pass out of the uh, out of the 18 or off a, off a goal kick. So that had an effect. And as far as uh, Song Bin Young's um, corner kicks, um, I think on Sunday in particular. I think it was the same thing. I think we saw him going with the line drive to the near post, and I think that was because if you got it up high, the wind was going to make it so unpredictable. Um, but on his corner kicks in general, 
I, he's not me. He's not Emmanuel Reynoso. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's a learning curve. I don't know how many corner kicks he took at the clubs he was with. You know, maybe he was the guy, maybe he was not. So I think there's a few factors in there and, um, you know, he may, he will get better at that if, if that's something he just needs more experience at. So I think that will change. Uh, so those factors, and, and by the way, I always think the short or the quick corner kick is a waste. It's a waste of an opportunity. Yeah. I really do. Um, what you get then is if you just uh, do a little short pass in and then somebody else crosses it, you've taken away that, um, that mayhem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? By that point, there's been separation, you know, they aren't stepping on each other's feet and they aren't, you know, and, and I just, I don't like it. I think it takes away from the opportunity. So not yeah, a no. lot of teams do it, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I, I agree. If you, if you have a chance, a free chance to put the ball in that dangerous of an area, why yep. are you not, why are you, why are you not taking it? Yeah. You want chaos in front of their goal, not in front of your own. You want chaos. And for the most part, corner kicks are chaos. And, yeah. and that's why, and, and that's what you want. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'm not, uh, I'm not a master strategian <laughs> any more than you are, but I don't like it. I think it's a wasted opportunity. So. Um, and another quick note on saying Ben Jong, we noticed uh, in the Wonderwall section, it was pointed out by uh, another fan kind of in my vicinity uh, Jong started saying then started the game with like these kind of like matte gold cleats mm-hmm. and coming out of halftime, he had these bright pink ones on. Do you think, uh, do you have any insider information on like field conditions and maybe why guys were changing, uh, boots mid, uh, middle of the game and coming out of halftime? Or was that just maybe a simply a, a thing for him? I, I don't know. I did notice that as well. Um, Sometimes guys will wear different ones in warmups, then they'll change. Um, there are guys that just go through a lot of cleats and they want to wear two or three pair and then they donate them somewhere. So I didn't see um, that pitch has proven to be pretty good lately, even in a wet condition like Sunday. So I don't think it was, you know, was a, a, a turf related change. It might have been. He might have just felt more. Com- Maybe they were wet. You know, some guys yeah, go, you know what? Exactly. I want to put on dry shoes. So I don't know. But um, the pitch didn't, you notice it didn't get tore up so that when you don't see divots coming up, then you know it's in pretty good shape, even even on a wet, cold night. So I think the turf is getting better every week at Allianz uh, since they put that new stuff in last year. I think it's, it just gets better all the time. So, uh, But I did notice the shoe change as well. Um, another thing I noticed in the last couple of matches now when uh, Song Bin Young has been playing regularly, he's not tall, but he's big. He's yeah. a strong, he is a strong young man. And uh, that's something I didn't know about him before uh, I saw him in action. And uh, he's a little feisty too. I like this, yeah. <laughs> some of this new wave of, uh, of loons. Um, Who would we put in that category? Rosales, Ariaga. Um, they're, they're feisty. They're, they're tough competitors. Maybe mm-hmm. a little, you, you could call them chippy if you want. I don't know what you want, but, um, I like that. Even Bongi, we found out long has turned out that he likes to bang it up a little bit and, and get physical. So I like that trait of the younger, you know, players that have been added to this club here in the last year or so. Uh, I think that makes it fun. Uh, we'll stay maybe up top here with the attack. I want to talk about the play of Bong Hukle long because I think he, he created as many chances on Sunday as he did ruin said chances. And I, maybe ruin is the wrong word, but from my perspective, especially in the first half, 
there was a, a decent amount of times where he would get that ball in open space on the wing and he would work it in there and maybe he would give a, uh, get a give and go pass working with, uh, with Jong and he'd get it back and then he'd just fire it. And he either wouldn't get the laces through the middle of the ball. And it was right at Martin Paz, um, where I, the amount of times I should say he wrapped up a, a attacking opportunity. And I mm-hmm. saw Robin Lud arms out on the other side of the box. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> wide open. Yeah. Um, what were your takeaways from Bongi's play on Sunday night? I know which one you're talking about too, because that was my first thought was uh, 17, 17 is there. Um, I think that we all of a sudden have raised the expectation bar on Longwane. Um, yes, he there's decision-making issues for a young player as expected. He has gotten so much better, so much more involved. I think all of a sudden now we're going, wow, he should have passed that or, or well, he didn't strike that cleanly. Or, and, and you know what? At the end of last year, we're just thinking, eh, is he, is he going to stick? Is this going to be a guy that's going to be a, you know, a starter next year, or is he going to be a backup guy? So he's come far enough where now we've raised the expectations of what he can do. And that's great. That's a good thing for him. Um, I thought more of his issues might've been just miscommunication, lack of, uh, chemistry i don't know but all i know is that he is getting better literally every week and i uh, you know you can look at older players a louis Samaria and someone like that and go yeah he made some bad decisions you know the entire match long and he's been around a lot longer so um sometimes people forget that when you're in the 18 where guys like that uh are going to get the ball a lot it's split second I mean, it is boom, boom. You don't have time. If you take time, you lose the ball, and then everybody, including your coach, is going, what are you doing? You don't have time to you know, sit around. So uh, from that standpoint, I would say lighten up on Longwane. He's still – his growth uh, – his growing curve is still uh, steep, and uh, I think we'll see him making more and more of those you know, plays more accurately and maybe seeing the pitch around him better as, as this season progresses. Yeah, and I, I guess I should maybe say when I bring that up, I don't want it to come across as I felt he played poorly. Like you said, to your point, I think the fact that I'm bringing it up says my expectations right. for the player he's evolved into and grown mm-hmm. into. Um, I just am expecting more. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think he, like I said, he created so many chances. It was just, I, I, as the player he is, I think he should be able to do, you know, do a little bit more, maybe make that one extra pass, or I expect him to find that scoring touch and, and beat Martin Paz and, you know, get, get a lead for, for Minnesota. Yeah. And they, I don't know if, if it was from the wet ball or what, but we saw, we saw some incredibly horrible shots uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday night balls that like literally didn't go the right direction. Not, not, not that they went wide of the goal, but they didn't even go towards the goal. So, and I, maybe that was the, the wet, you know, conditions, I don't know, but, um, so it, 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 Hey, we're talking about a team that doesn't score very many goals. <laughs> and if all these things didn't happen and if Bongi could see Robin Lud and he was open and if Bongi made better decisions in the 18 and Luis could kick the ball straight, I mean, we'd be scoring two or three a match and we wouldn't be talking about it. So I think what we're saying here is the same problems continue. And that is, uh, finishing inside the 18 anywhere uh, after what seemed to be pretty good playmaking, pretty good uh, chemistry at times. Uh, they set themselves up 
numerous times and mm-hmm. couldn't finish any of them, not one. So we're really going back, AJ, to the, the age-old problem, whether it's Longwane or it's Robin Lud or it's Fragapane or it's Reynoso, uh, whoever it is, it's still the same issue for this club. The uh, the last attacking question, maybe I'll throw your way here, is we saw Luis Amaria start at striker, Robin Lud, Simon Jong, and uh, Bangunguli Longwane start at that other, like that secondary front three, uh, the front or front midfield area. Uh, but we saw <clears throat> Mender Garcia and Franco Fragapane come off the bench in the second half. Together, they played about a collective forty minutes or so. As they head out to Vancouver this this weekend. Do you see either of those those two guys replacing anybody from that that front four that I just mentioned? Um, because I, I think you and I share the same feeling about Franco, where he's a firecracker. He's a guy that is he he has he can score. He's great for energy on the field. He's able to kind of energize the team behind him. Uh, Mender, we know about his ridiculous speed, and he does. I he he scores. Um, it seems like more than often uh, compared to some of the other guys on the pitch. Um, do you see any of those two slotting in? And then if they do, who are you taking off to start uh, the match at least to get in BC place this weekend? Well, you know, barring injuries or other issues, um, I think Mender Garcia will probably start up top. I feel like, and this again, this is just me speculating that they have kind of gotten themselves into a every other match starting. And then the other guy comes off the bench. And, and the reason why is neither one of them has stepped up and just taken that position um, you know, and I think if you score a goal, if you're, if you're Luis Amaria and Mender Garcia, if you score a goal, you probably get to start the next match. If you don't, it's probably the other guy's turn. And I think what Adrian's doing is just waiting for one of them two to say, Hey, this is my position. You know, you, you can't take me out cause I'm, I'm on a roll. Neither one has done that this year. Yeah. Luis's goals are both on PKs. Um, and, and I like Mender's speed. So I think he gets the start and then Luis is off the bench. And Fragapane, I'm afraid, is on the bench because I'm not sitting along Wane if he's healthy. He's been too good. Uh, Robin Lud, now that he's on the right side, you're not pulling him out because the last couple of matches, he's been, you know, one of the best. I mean, he made some moves on Sunday, some dribbling that was just, you know, highlight reel. Mm-hmm. So you're not taking him out. And and the uh, Song Bin Young project is still ongoing. He's going to be locked in there uh, until further notice because we still haven't seen exactly what he can do, but he seems to be fitting in there very well. And he's a player of the future, hopefully, for this club. So that those are the changes I would expect or I would predict at this point. Um, and it's not a major change, but it is a big deal because Garcia brings something uh, up front that adds to the speed of Jung and of um, Bongi. Uh, and then, and, and then you put Garcia in there and you've got just that much more speed. So that's, that would be my best guess at what will happen in Vancouver. Uh, going to the backside of things here, uh, kind of a surprising moment. It felt like they had more, but miraculously, Minnesota United retains 50% of possession on Sunday night in that match. Um, And I think a big credit of that goes to the back line because of how often when you do maintain possession for a team that struggles so much, maybe not struggles because it's more of just the game they feel like they want to play. They they don't usually end up having the ball as much as um, the other the other team does, but the wingbacks, the the left backs there of, uh, or I should say the 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 fullbacks of DJ Taylor and Kamara Lawrence, I think played exceptionally well. 
They were, they both were able to facilitate the ball up the wing and kind of assist either Bongi um, or Robin Ludd. They, they crossed the ball in and I believe it was DJ Taylor had one beautiful cross in, in that first half that just, there was just nobody there. Like it, it fell to an open spot. The only issue is there was no black, uh, black Jersey there uh, to bang at home. Um, but at the same time, when they moved up, it's not like they were leaving uh, Michael Boxel or Miguel Tapias out to dry because it was, it's, it's as soon as they facilitated it up, they got it off their foot. And now we're going to, we're going to shuffle back. Um, what, what were your thoughts on those two guys and maybe just the play of the back, the back line altogether? Yeah. Kamar Lawrence uh, was questionable. Uh, as to whether or not he would start, and he played very well, so I guess his health is fine. He's doing what he's been doing all along. He's steady. He's consistent. Um, he can he can run. Uh, DJ Taylor just continues. This is a guy that was with MNUFC two last season mm-hmm. uh, for the first half of the year. He has got nothing but better. They brought in uh, Zarek Valentin, a veteran wing who I thought would immediately be the starter and stay there. Uh, DJ Taylor's just playing outplayed him and has been outstanding and DJ's getting better all the time. Add him to the list of those young stars that are fun to watch. Um, and DJ's a great kid. I've had a chance a couple of times in pregame interviews to talk with him. Uh, super, super young man. Can't, can't be happier for anyone than his success. I um in the middle. We're pretty set on uh, boxy and Tapias. And what I've seen developing lately is that because Miguel is so dependable, stays home. It's allowed Michael Boxel to make some of those crazy runs of his where you don't expect a guy that's 6'4", uh, 200 pounds, to be making runs like that. But he incredibly is very good at it, but he's very smart at when he does it. And it's fun to watch someone like that make a move and, and run into the final third. And he got he got. He was almost. He was almost offside at one time. I think that was down at the Wonderwall yeah. end. And uh, when is the last time Michael Boxel's been offside? So that's weird. But it's kind of developing there, and and I think it's all good. So uh, yeah, I think the defense continues to is not only good, but I think it keeps getting better. Any other final thoughts from you on uh, Sunday night's match before we move on to a look across the league? No, at least they didn't lose. It would have been yeah. devastating to lose that one. At least they, the progress I see is they didn't score when they were in control and in command of the match like they were in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. But the problem is in Seattle, they had the letdown. They gave up uh, soft goals or goals a goal, and they didn't do that. At least they continued on with the battle and and it's I you know it seems like it's you know really looking for a bright spot but that's what you do um stay positive that's what the team's attitude is and and uh we're gonna eventually sing Wonderwall at Allianz just hope it's yeah. sooner than later so with the results from the weekend Minnesota after their 0-0 draw uh sits seventh in the Western Conference with 12 points they are uh, just above Portland and Vancouver looking in, trailing uh, Houston Dynamo by one point. And then there, you know, there's enough at the top to where mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see if they can climb back into that upper echelon. But speaking of Vancouver, that's their upcoming opponent this Saturday night. Kickoff out in Vancouver at BC Place is set for 930. We'll have pregame coverage with you and Jonathan starting at nine o'clock on the dot. On <sighs> Way too late. Oh, yeah. How? Good. Is that, is that is that two two nine thirty starts yeah. in a matter of three weeks? 
Yeah, and in between an eight twenty-five start in between so. at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, all right. It'll be fine. No, I, I don't mind. I just, I just, I know that a lot of people miss out for various reasons when mm-hmm. games start that late on the West Coast. Not everybody can stay up late and watch mm-hmm. and listen, uh, but you know, hopefully most people can. But yeah, it's it's always a problem when you're we're in the middle of the country. You know, if you're on the East Coast, you rarely play on the West Coast because it's out of conference. But we end up with a lot of those. So I wish they could schedule them a little bit earlier. But you know, nobody nobody from MLS asked me. So, <laughs> well, uh, if if you're listening and you plan to be up and making some coffee, you can join us once a, uh, once again nine o'clock ESPN fifteen hundred. AM or uh, if you have an HD radio in your vehicle, it's a 94.5 HD2 or online at live.scorenorth.listen.com. Um, well, let's take a look across the league here for some of the major scores that uh, maybe impacted the loons over the weekend. Uh, speaking of their upcoming opponent, Vancouver, they draw at home against Colorado 0 0. Um, you got to imagine the loons are going to be looking for a little revenge because if my memory serves me correct, that was the closest so far this season. They've come to getting all three points at Allianz field. If it wasn't for a extended time, Simon Betcher goal on the last kick of the game. Um, I'm sure they'll be looking for a little revenge there. Don't you think Dan? Yeah. I don't know. Revenge. Yeah. yeah. I guess revenge is it. The, the Biff, the Biff at home. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was nasty. That was frustrating. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Minnesota's a better side than than Vancouver. Um, you do have to play on the West Coast. You do have to play in a, in a horrible stadium. Um, but I think Minnesota is the better club. And, yeah, I think if they think about you know, I just hope that they don't tack up too much extra um, – uh, stoppage time at the end of it because that will bring back nightmares for some of those guys. But yeah, the funny thing is when that happened – we talked a lot about how oh, that that's that's the way they want to do it. But since then, it's all been very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I oh, thought, yeah, okay, so so we have to get rid of this. We better get rid we better get used to this. They're gonna add way more stoppage time than we think, uh, every match, and we better get used to it. And since that Vancouver debacle, it seemed pretty normal or at least pretty predictable. So I don't know what they're doing with that. And uh, I hope it doesn't happen again. But I hope they don't need uh either more or less stoppage time to win in Vancouver. That'd be the goal. Stoppage time doesn't matter. That's that's the way it should be. Um, let's see. Some other scores here. Nashville with a big kind of interconference match against Atlanta United. They win that one three to one. DC with a big three nil win over Charlotte. LA Galaxy continues to stumble out of the gate for the season, dropping two nil to Orlando. Austin and San Jose with uh, probably the liveliest match of the weekend. 2-2 draw right there. And uh, Portland, despite their midweek battle with Orange County, Mm -hmm. uh, they come out after that 3-1 win and they kick up a 2-1 win over second place in the uh, Western Conference, St. Louis City. Yeah. Uh, That, this Portland team, Dan, I think they are an engine that inevitably is going to become one of the teams that you you just have to assume is going to give you a hard time every single night. 
Yeah, and they're you know they're better than their record is early. Just like I think St. Louis, their record was you know uh, Portland was worse, and St. Louis record was better, and they're coming back down to earth. And and I don't know, I guess the honeymoon is over. Maybe not the honeymoon, but uh, some part of it is over because they're finding it much tougher now to win. Um, so you're going to see this. This is why I always give Jonathan a hard time about standings don't matter. It's too early <laughs> um, because they're going to change a lot. Portland's going to rise. Uh, uh, St. Louis is going to, is going to fade. Um, you know, Nashville is one of those teams that's going to be, they're going to have their streaks where they look like the best team in the conference in times when they struggle. Um, and, and what Minnesota has been doing the last couple of years is they kind of ride in between that. You, you know, you know, they're not a top three or four team, but you know, they're not a bottom three or four team. They manage to stay there. And that kind of consistency is important. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the difference would be, you know, scoring goals, getting a goal scorer or getting someone hot offensively, then they could say, yeah, we're closer to a top team than we are a bottom team. And uh, until then, you're going to be kind of in the middle. So um, I don't look at the standings that closely right now, but I did glance at it. And, and you know, you it's kind of what you thought, you know, yeah. teams that you thought would be up on top or staying up near the top. And I think it's just a matter of time in the West till LAFC kind of just works their way to the top and then they'll probably be locked in up there. Yeah, they're in uh, they're in third place right now mm-hmm. with, and I say only eight matches played, trailing Seattle and St. Louis, who both have ten under their belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, if you take the fact that they're undefeated, let's say, right, they, you know, just add four onto them, and they're easily in first place. So yeah, and and like I said, St. Louis seems to be they're they're gonna they're gonna continue to kind of drop a little bit. Um, and Seattle's mm-hmm. very good this year. Seattle and LAFC will probably be in a season long battle for that uh, top spot. All right. Well, that uh, concludes our look across the league. Let's move into uh, our kind of wrap up segments with the predictor and write that down. Dan, do you want to kind of preface what the predictor is? Yep. Pick three games in the MLS, uh, including the Minnesota upcoming match. You pick the winner or a draw. You pick the score. If you get the win or the draw correct and the score, you get a bonus point. So a, a potential of six points on the line each week. And that very rarely happens. So, All right. Um, with, with Jonathan out, we did not... <laughs> We're not going to have any accountability sessions here this week. All we'll, right. uh, we'll, we'll tally these points later, but I'll let you lead things off here with the predictor. We'll, we'll double time it next week and get everybody Perfect. up to date. It'll be like a surprise. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with uh, Minnesota at Vancouver. I'm going to pick uh, Minnesota with a 2-1 victory on the road at Vancouver. All right. Um, I'm thinking pretty low scoring, but I think Minnesota does get back to winning ways. Minnesota 1, Vancouver nil. One nil. Okay. Yeah. That was my other choice is either two, one or one nil. I figured that's where we were going. I'm not ready to, you know, throw those threes around loosely yet. It's just, they got to, they got to earn that. So, um, second one, Seattle will defeat sporting Kansas city two nil. All right. I also picked that one a little bit, uh, higher scoring though, for me, Mm -hmm. Seattle four, uh, sporting Kansas city one. 4-1. 4-1. Yeah, that's 4-1. a big, big win. Uh, okay, and then my third one, LAFC will defeat San Jose 3-0. I like it. I like it. I also have a 3-0 for my final one, but I'm going to go Nashville taking on Chicago Fire. Ah, okay. 3-0 Nashville. Okay, got it. All right, so that uh, we'll, we'll get Jonathan's picks in here later. He did not uh, be preemptive and send it to either of us, so we'll go ahead and move on to write that down. Uh, similar to the predictor, but not in the sense of it has to be a score. You make one soccer-related prediction. We have to do one that is related to MNUFC. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
um, the most preemptive it can be, you know, down the road, which Jonathan likes to do. He stashes them away in his little bunny hole and they magically appear with seven goals the final week of the season. So I don't want to talk about Jonathan's bunny hole. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, we'll move along here. I'll start it off. I'll write this down this weekend. Dane St. Clair will record a clean sheet with five or more saves. Five or more saves. You think he's going to be busy in Vancouver? I, I think he's going to be he's going to be busy. He's going to be busy. I think right. he's going to. They're not going to be maybe the toughest shots, but uh, Vancouver, they're going to have to step it up after that draw last week. Yeah. All right. Uh, so my first one, Minnesota United in their next three matches. So that's Vancouver and then Philadelphia and then Sporting Kansas City. Minnesota will have five or more goals in those three matches. Okay. And then, and that may not sound like a lot, but for this club, <laughs> that's a good number. That's a really good number. Write that down. All right. Uh quick pat on myself uh, on the back to myself here because I want to say it was <clears throat> Sunday night. Mr. Andy Greeter confirmed that uh one of my past write that downs that there was yes. a notable uh Reynoso news, just something about that. He's not back with the team yet, but um I'm going to I went one month of we're gonna have some news. <laughs> this it's a new month, Dan. So write this down. By the end of May, mm-hmm. Reynoso will be back in the country and with the team. Okay. I think I've got one hanging out there that he's uh back in the United States by this coming Thursday. I, yeah, I think you what may you say May 4th? Yeah, this Thursday. Yeah. So we're both kind of hoping for that one to come out. So I don't know. I, it feels like, and again, I know nothing other than what people tell me and what's probably pretty much public knowledge is I think that it's, it's getting closer. We still don't know why, but it's getting closer anyway. All right. Here's my number two for write that down. Uh, By the end of this month, Minnesota will spend at least some time in fourth place in the West. So I think they're on their on their way up. Okay. Write that down. Uh, my final write that down. Um, we're gonna go across the pond here. Everton have never mm-hmm. been relegated from the Premier League. They've always stayed up. They somehow magically stayed up last year, but Dan, they are atrocious this year. They just mm-hmm. they're just terrible. Um, they still have quite a ways to go here because it's a pretty big battle for that kind of relegation area, but I do think. This is the year, write that down, that Everton is relegated from the Premier League. Oh, all right. That'd be big news, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, uh, I'm going to go to Bundesliga. Uh, there we go. Actually, Zwei Bundesliga. <laughs> um, my team, FC Kaiserslautern, Sunday will shut out a clean sheet against Nuremberg. Write right. that down. You know what? I, I picked up the, uh, the program walking into Allianz Field. I was completely unaware. That I want to say it's Wednesday, July, mm-hmm. or June, June 28th, I want to say. I didn't know FC Kaiserslautern's coming to town. Yeah, well, that's what got me started. I, I saw them on the schedule, and then a curiosity made me think, hmm, I don't know anything about them. So I did a little searching, and I go, you know what? I kind of like this club. And then they've got a, uh, their logo is just about not safe for work, so. <laughs> That, that that was my real draw but you know that's a, that's the depth that i the lack of depth that i have so uh but anyway it, it is more fun and we talked about this with jonathan and with cal about how follow a team follow a team in the premier league or in bundesliga something because it gets you more involved in international soccer paying yeah. attention and and they're absolutely right it's been kind of fun so that's good that's good yeah um once again quick reminder this saturday 
It's going to be a 9.30 kickoff. So MLS after dark here as I get a phone call, right, as we're about to wrap up. Uh, 9.30 kickoff, 9 o'clock pregame. Dan, you'll be on the call with Jonathan Harrison, Mm -hmm. um, ESPN 1500 AM. You can listen. All the action right there. We'll stay up just as late as needed. Um, Any final words or thoughts from you before we wrap things up? Nope. I think this still is a, is a pretty good soccer team. I think if we do see Emmanuel Reynoso come back, that obviously adds more skill, more talent, more playmaking abilities up front. And uh, I think the team is still getting better. I know it's frustrating for fans, but nah, keep your chin up. This team is, uh, is going to get better, I think, and maybe a lot better before it's all done. So I'm still very optimistic. So let's go, Loons. Uh, get a win in Vancouver and uh, get this thing pointed in the right direction here soon. Make sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, comment, whatever you need to uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, everywhere you find your podcast. Anything helps the show. Uh, Till next time, Dan, good work. We'll talk to you on uh, Saturday. All right. Bye, everybody. See you, AJ.